Uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 15. <coughs> and uh, we'll continue with some of this that we've been looking on, uh, looking at, with the covenant of healing, and uh, get into a few different things today, uh, maybe different what we'd normally say, but nonetheless, very important, glory to God, counting a high honor to stand before you every Tuesday and talk about healing, and uh, God's good to us, and we talk about uh, regularly always believing what God said about the three, the, these three major things about himself. And about his word and about what he said he would do, those, those last two are very important pertaining to today. And um, in Exodus 15 and 26, we'll, we'll move through these rapidly because we've, we've looked at them a lot and we'll, we'll continue to look at them a lot. I think this is the 18th installment of this covenant of healing. And uh, verse 26, he said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right, give ear to his commandments, I'll allow none of these diseases on you that I have allowed on the Egyptians. And then he says, for I am the Lord that heals you. All right, I am blank check. And then he says, he fills that in for us. I'm the Lord. I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Rafiki, I am the Lord your healer, the Lord your physician, the Lord your surgeon. Uh, I'm the Lord that heals you. Uh, the original Hebrew is in the present and the progressive. I am the Lord that constantly heals you. And so this is very important. Then in Exodus 23 and verse 25, he said, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness from your midst. I will take sickness from your midst. Other translations as one says, I'll keep sickness far from away, far away from your company. And yet another says, I will banish sickness from among you. Hallelujah. Now Deuteronomy 7, uh, verse 8. <clears throat> He says, uh, because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God that keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Verse 14 says, you shall be blessed above all people. There will not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know upon you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. Uh, other translation says you'll be healthy because the Lord will protect you from those dreadful diseases. Uh, another says, the Lord will keep you from having any kind of illness. Another says, the Lord will keep you from getting sick. 
uh, the NIV says, I don't like the NIV most of the time, but it's good here. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. Now, that's a, these are promises that God made to his covenant people. These are things that God said he was, things that God said he would do. And we bear in mind and keep in mind that uh, these are things that God is eternally. All right? Because God, not, God does not change. God cannot change. You know, if you're incapable of lying, you're incapable of changing. Because when God says something, and this is important, when God says something, that's, it's, it's eternal. What he said is eternal. It, it cannot pass away. Because everything that we experience, everything that we see on this planet, the Bible says uh, that it's all held together by the word of his power. Not the power of his word. The word of his power. Scripture says it's held together by the word of his power. So not the power of his word. That's important because it's in the word where the power's at. And so God says the word and the power comes with it. And so when he said let there be light, currently light's expanding at 186,000 miles per second. Now that's, that's an oversimplification, right? But it's galaxies are still being formed thousands every day because light's expanding that quickly. Well, what's causing that? The word of his power. When he set the earth, that's right. That's, that's why you'll hear people talk about what's going to happen to the earth. Nothing's going to happen to the earth till we're gone. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zero. Nothing. Why? Because he's given the earth to the children of men and with God's covenant people here on the earth, God has made provision. There's not going to be a shortage of oil. There's not going to be a shortage of natural resources. Not going to happen. Because God, God is not short-sighted. And he knew that there was going to be over 7 billion people on this planet and counting. And if he tarries, we'll get a lot more. But the, 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 the point that I'm, that was his plan. Be fruitful and multiply. Notice he didn't put a cap on it. Just keep multiplying. Well, here's my point in, in saying all this. So when God set the rotation of the earth on its axis the way that it is, it, it will continue to do that. The Bible doesn't say anything happens to the earth until after the tribulation period. After the thousand year reign of Christ. That's when the earth is purged. He, my point is the Lord said that. That's, it's eternal. So what God has said he is, what God has said he will do, is eternal. And so, if God is eternally our healer, then it follows that healing must belong to us. Right? Now, a question that people will ask over the years is, well, you know, if healing belongs to us 
And if God's eternally my healer, then, you know, why do you see believers sick? Why do you see things happening? Well, now, understand this. I, I want to preface this with this. Is I, I realize we're all at various stages of believing God and various stages of what we're believing God to do. But we've got to be well-rounded where these things are concerned. And uh, let's go over to Ephesians 6 because I found something. And, and I'm, I'm going to look at some things today that I don't think in our camp have been talked about enough. And uh, in Ephesians 6, we'll look right here in verse uh, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore. Having done all to stand, stand. A lot of believers, when they encounter sickness or disease, they want to start with the stand. I'm standing against this. I don't receive that report. I'm standing against it. And uh, that sounds good. That Boy, that sounds strong. That sounds, whoo, boy. But here's the problem. That's not right. And the reason it's not right is if I believe he's my healer, and I have faith that he's my healer, I need to inquire of the Lord. Feel that it just went, oh, feel that how it went down. Oh. Right? I, I, I need to inquire of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I can't just jump, if, if, if I believe he's my healer, th this is an eternal thing, and I believe that, and we do, and you do, and watching online, you do, There's the, that's not the question. Right? The question is, okay, then if I believe that, how'd this sneak in on me? Right? How, how'd this, because this is what I believe. Amen. And, and I want to con consistently uh, make you aware, I, I have no doubt that you're believing right. But... If I jump to the stand, right, then I may not be dealing with the source. Well, the source of it is the devil. Well, it, the source might be spiritual, but it might not be. And if I don't inquire of the Lord, I may not know. See, we want to be well-rounded. There's no question. He's my healer. He'll take it away, right? Does he want to take it away? What's that? He does, right? He wants to heal you, and he wants to take it away. And he said he would do it, and he said he would keep it away from you. Is that right? So I, I believe that. You believe that. 
Hallelujah. But many believers will go, nope, I'm standing against this. I'm the healed of the Lord, and I'll have what I say. That's true. That's absolutely true. But let's go over to Mark chapter 11. Let's look at something here. Because I've, I've, uh, I've got to look at something that Jesus inferred. Verse, uh, Mark chapter 11, let's just start in verse uh, 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Have it constantly. For truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Oh, hallelujah. See, there I'll have what I say. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So these verses say, I will have whatever I say. I can have it. I will have it. Jesus said that. But if I'm not having what I say, I need to stop and find out why. If, if Listen, if you're trying to push a car and it's not moving, you need to find out why. Is the thing still, is it not in neutral? Is the emergency brake on? What This thing isn't moving, right? If you're pushing against something and it's not moving, you need to find out why. That's good news. Amen. Well, but the word is like a, a hammer and it breaks into pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. It sure will. It will do that every time. But listen, if I'm constantly hitting the thing and it's not moving, I need to find out why. I need, I need to understand why. Hallelujah. Jesus infers here that unforgiveness will hinder my ability to have what I say. And, and now, I'm not saying that that's anyone's problem. I'm saying this is what Jesus inferred here. He, amen, because he, the scripture, verse 25, begins with the word and. Well, we, we know that and is a conjunction, so it's not a new thought. It's the completion of the thought. Would that be right? I mean, you don't walk into a room and start a conversation with, and, right? Well, somebody's going to go, and what? That's like walking in a room and going, yes. Yes, what? Right? 
So, and, so he says, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, so that verse, right? What things are we believing we receive? Those things we said. But he says, while you're praying and believing that you receive those things you said, if you have unforgiveness, forgive. Is that right? So he infers that unforgiveness will hinder my ability to have what I say. A lot of times you'll say, I believe I received this, and something will come up. Uh, in, in this instance, uh, you need to forgive so-and-so. Or call so-and-so and tell them you love them. Right? Or something. Something along those lines. may not be the case with you, this specific incident, but Jesus said that will hinder it. Amen. So a person can be standing and declaring and believing they receive and not forgiving, and it cancels out their standing and declaring and believing. The inference here is there are things God cannot do for me if there's things I won't do. Faith will not override what we're implicitly told to do in Scripture. Amen. Listen, if someone won't live right, they can't work faith. I'm I'm sorry. if, If there's no reason to live clean other than that, right? And that's so important. But, but I've, had, I've, had, I've had people that I knew, that I knew, I knew, I, not by the Spirit, I knew it by physical account, that were playing games and drinking and acting like the world and living like the world. And, and, and uh, as, as my old pastor years ago in Kansas City, you say, shacking, you know, and, and doing all kind of wrong things. And then come and talk about how they're believing for the favor of God. And, and I'm going to get it because I have what I say. Well, you got to put that girl out. and You got to quit drinking. And you understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it can be unforgiveness. It can be something along those lines. And obviously, I know no one in here is doing any of that. But my point in trying to make this clear is these are things that need to be said. Because if I'm believing that I receive, right, I'm working the word, there will be a time that thing starts moving. Right? Just like you're seeing it move. Right? Aren't you? You're seeing it move. You're seeing the numbers get better. You're seeing things change. That, that's because you're, you're doing what the Lord told you. But because we need preventive medicine, if it's not moving, I need to check this out. Faith requires honesty. Amen. Do you remember, you, maybe you heard this story, maybe you didn't. Uh, in the, during the days of the Voice of Healing, Brother Hagin said he was at a convention. And uh, they, uh, uh, a minister had, had, had preached, I believe he was a pastor. And he gave an altar call, and there were a few folks that came. And uh, uh, 
the, 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 the head man of the conference, he got up and he said, I just feel like we need to have brother so-and-so come and, uh, and, and, and give an altar call. And this guy was an evangelist. And uh, he got up there and gave the altar call. And he said, Brother Hagin said, I never saw so many people come to the altar at once. And he said, uh, after the meeting, they were talking to one another like preachers do. And, and they were uh, talking. And this guy that had given the altar call came up. And that, uh, a man was standing there. And he said, that was astounding. He said, now it was the anointing on the evangelist. All right? If you've ever, if you've ever been to a, a believer's convention with Brother Copeland, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a believer's convention. Right? Brother Copeland's ministry is not primarily to the unsaved. If you read his mission statement, it says the primary mission of his ministry is to take believers from the milk to the meat of the Word of God. All right? But in a believer's convention, he'll have Jesse come and give an altar call, and people will come from the balcony. That, it'll be packed because it's the anointing on the evangelist. Well, this pastor said, that was amazing. And, and this, this uh, evangelist took his tie and did it like this. This man's tie just grabbed his tie and said, yeah, boy, if I can't get him, nobody can. And Brother Hagin said he was standing there and he heard the Spirit of the Lord say, you watch from this day on, his ministry will go down. And it did. Nobody even remembers him no more. Well, here's the point. Here's the point I'm making. Was it God's will that his ministry succeed? Did God give him that anointing to get people saved? He did. What stopped it? Something he was doing. Not something God did. Not something God didn't do. God didn't stop his ministry from working. He stopped his ministry from working. God doesn't stop healing from coming. I stop healing from coming. God doesn't take healing away. I lose healing. God doesn't take it. Why? Because God cannot take, listen to me, what he gave. He said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Now, he's specifically talking about the people of Israel. All right? And he says, they're my covenant people. I won't change my mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kick them out. That's why he told the Gentiles through the Apostle Paul. He said, "Don't boast against the branch, because if they weren't in unbelief, you wouldn't have had an opportunity." You understand what I'm saying? So, in everything to do with God, if I'm out there, I believe I receive my healing. And something comes up in my spirit, I got to deal with what came up in my spirit. Amen. Have you ever talked to somebody? Well, maybe you haven't. I have as a pastor. I, I would talk to somebody and, and, and maybe the Lord would bring something up and, and maybe it would be something about pride or something of that nature. And, and what's the common response to that? Well, I'm not being prideful. Okay. Right? See, it's my healing that I'm after. God's the healer. He promised it. 
eternally. He can't lie. Right? Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that we serve a healer? Woo! That has healed us. That is healing us. That will heal us. Hallelujah. We've seen people raised up off their deathbed. Amen. Hallelujah. I know people in here. Sister Pam, her, her dad pastored for years, Pentecostal pastor, pioneer here in Arkansas. They, they saw people raised up, saw cripples walk, saw bodies healed. I'm telling you, there's no question about what God will do. But if it's not moving, I've got to say, okay, now, Lord, I'm inquiring of you. Is there somewhere I'm missing it? Is that right? We need to inquire of the Lord as to why there's a delay. Uh, maybe even ask, how did this come on me? Hallelujah. You know, I was, I was talking last week and, and Sunday in services about how the Lord healed my body and, and healed me of what I was dealing with. But here's the thing. Understand this. I knew God was my healer. I laid hands on people regularly and saw them healed. I was teaching healing school. And yet it came on me. But I knew God was my healer. So it wasn't a question of why aren't you healing me? It was a question of how'd this come on me? Because I'd been healed before. The first time I remember God touching my body, the very first time that I remember God touching my body was I was maybe, uh, couldn't have been more than eight, and uh, maybe nine, nine years of age. And uh, I had uh, got a cavity, and we were at a tent meeting in Florida, old tent meeting. I don't even remember the, the minister's name. And uh, he was anointed with oil. And uh, boy, that thing was hurting. And, and I went and, and got in the prayer line, and he laid hands on me, and the first thing that happened was the pain left. Well, I'm curious. And so I went out in the car, flipped the light on, turned the light on, and got up in the mirror. And where there was a cavity, there was no cavity. I still have that tooth, and it still has no cavity. The pain didn't just go away. The tooth was fixed. That quick. That quick. When, when I was 10, uh, 10, 11, 11 years old, I was riding skateboard. We lived in Florida. I was riding skateboard. Fell off skateboard. Broke my left arm. Went in the house. My dad was home. My arm was bent this way. My dad laid hands on it. When he laid hands on it, the pain went, and I watched that arm go straight. I was, I was raised with that. God healed me, has healed me numerous times. So now here I am, and this just comes on me. Well, I had to inquire of the Lord. How'd this come on me? I know inquiring minds want to know, right? I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, and no, it wasn't sin and adultery. It wasn't adultery, and, right? But you understand what I'm saying? Well, 
Once I figured out, listen, once I figured out where the door was, I can close it. Isn't that good news? See, if the door's open, if it's open, don't you want to know? Right? That's my mindset when it comes to things of God. If I'm wrong, show me. Uh, make me aware where I'm missing it. Right? Because then I can fix it. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And you know, what, what came on me came on as an oppression that began to manifest itself in my physical body. And now I know I got a problem. You understand what I mean? A lot of times people are dealing with things, and please don't misunderstand me. They're, they're, I, I have much compassion for people that deal with depression. Because sometimes, especially in word of faith circles, we're just like, oh, come on, get over it. Get a dose of joy and let's go. Well, okay. That, that's true. We do need joy. And they probably do need joy. But that's kind of callous. That's kind of mean-hearted. It's a real thing. And it hurts. When, you're, when, you're, when you know somebody that's really dealing with depression, they can't function. It's, you're just kind of there. What do I do? Right? Well, here's the thing. That oppression will start manifesting itself in your physical body. It'll affect your respiration. It'll affect your ability to eat. When you run into somebody that's dealing with depression, oppression, they don't want to eat, they don't want to drink, because there's no reason to live. Your will to live goes. You see what I'm saying? And so, I had to inquire of the Lord. Now, how'd this come on me? Well, He's gracious. I mean, He knows we have a gracious Father. He said in Deuteronomy 7, he's merciful and faithful. Isn't that right? Well, he showed me, and I was able to close the door. And three months later, I was healed. Oh, glory to God. When I think about it, think about it. Did he always want to heal me? Evidently, he did, because he had healed me before. Right? But it's, it's, it's like this. Uh, remember when you were growing up? And, uh, and uh, it'd be cold or hot outside. Maybe it's cold. And you leave the door open. And you'd hear your daddy say, shut that door. We're not heating the outside. My mother's favorite words was, were you born in a barn? You know, I always wanted to go, no. But I knew not to do that because she could whoop me. But, but here's the point. What's inside is going to get outside if you leave the door open. And what's outside is going to get inside. Is that right? What's the key to both of those? Shut the door. Close the door. Even if you're standing in the door. Even if you're standing in the door. I stand against this. The door's still open. Hallelujah. For, for 1 Corinthians 11. Oh, hallelujah.
And what I'm not saying is that you got a door open. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I have to look at this. Hallelujah. See, because the devil, the devil is easy to place the blame on. And ultimately, we know he's the author of, of defeat and sickness and death. But, but I've learned something. I've, I've raised a few children. And if they come home telling you the teacher's the problem, right, you need to investigate. Hallelujah. My teacher don't like me. And, and when in reality, their teacher is just trying to make them work. Oh, my, 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 my uh, uh, middle daughter, oh, it was always the teacher. They don't like me. They won't work with me. And then you'd have a parent-teacher conference, and they would go and show all the work they've done and all the effort they've put in. You know, and, and you knew that was the case. I know there's, there's teachers that aren't as good as others, but here's my point. I always made that determination. If they come home and they say, the teacher this, and the teacher don't like me, and the teacher and the teacher won't help me, how are all those other kids passing? I mean, you sit beside the dumbest kid in the class, and they're passing, and you're both under the same teacher. You know, now that wasn't your kid, I'm, I'm just saying. That, that used to be my mindset. There's some dumb kids in that class, and they're making it. So how'd you know they were dumb? They used to come over to my house. They were just dumb kids. Goodness. And they're passing. I know you're smarter than them, so it can't be the teacher. Then you talk to the teacher. Well, I can't get them to pay attention. They won't do their homework. Oh, so now... Right now, we're starting to figure something out. Hello, we we we. Miss Pam used to be a well, still I don't think you ever stopped being a teacher, but uh, uh, used to teach in the school system, and you know you you don't give homework as a punishment. Homework is integral to learning, is that right? Because you're you're getting it, you're going over the information. When people come to FBSOM, I tell them. Do the homework. Read every everything you need to answer this quiz every Monday night is in the chapters you were supposed to read throughout the week. Right? It's there. That's your homework. This is your homework. And I've had people come and say, well, you know, this, this quiz is just too hard. I gave you the answers. You just have to get in it. See, my point is, is the enemy becomes, and it sounds like I'm talking good about him, but I'm not. He becomes the go-to. Well, it's, it's the devil. It's the devil. It's the devil. Well, ultimately, he's the father of it. But how'd the devil get in there? See, I need to ask that. I need to ask that. Because I'm the gatekeeper. Right? In, in the history of the, of the Great Wall of China, the Great Wall of China was never breached by an army. 
if the enemy got through the Great Wall of China, history records, you, you study it and see for yourself, they bribed the gatekeeper. See, the enemy's got to get me to let my guard down, right? That's why he works to make you mad at people. He works to get you offended. He works to get you in unforgiveness. He works to get us in pride. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, remember, not to think too highly of yourself because God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. He said don't think too highly of yourself. Right? I've, I've, I've been around people before, maybe you have too, and they'll start comparing, you know, comparing their blessings. And they got a one-up. Well, the Lord blessed me, brought me $500. The Lord brought me 1000 Well, the Lord gave me a, a, a 2015 car. He gave me a 2017. So big deal, your pile of ashes is going to be bigger than mine. But, but why, why does the enemy work to get us there? Because there are things that are more important than what you have and what you drive and what you wear. It's these spiritual things, right? There's nothing next to living your, lit next to your walk with God. There's nothing more important than you being healthy. Nothing. Nothing. Because if you're not healthy, you can't do what God asked you to do. And so the enemy knows if he can shorten your life or hinder your ability, he can hinder what God's asked you to do. 1 Corinthians 11, and notice verse 29. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh uh, condemnation. King James says damnation to himself. Not Notice, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, notice the comma. Damnation to himself, comma, continuing the thought, here's why, not discerning the Lord's body. Period. So the period is the end to the previous statement and the beginning of a new statement. For this cause. Not a different subject, not a different thought, the continuation. For this cause. What cause? Not discerning the Lord's body. Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Is that what it said? One translation says, the AUV translation says, because of this, many people among you are weak and ill, and a number have fallen asleep. But if we had examined ourselves properly, we would not be judged. Well, we know that God doesn't use sickness this is, this is sickness that came on them. For what reason? Not judging themselves. Their issue was not discerning the Lord's body. Not caring about the other members in the body. Right? They, 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 they were... They were making light of the poor members, of those that didn't have anything to eat or drink. That's why Paul said, you need to drink at home. Don't come together and act haughty because of what you have. And he says, you're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. In other words, you don't care 
about the people around you in your church. That's, that's so important. That's why over and over again we're told in the word that we're called to walk in love. And we're called to bear one another's burdens. Be cautious with that. Right? Well, you know, that, that person, they're, they're sick. I'll tell you what, praise the Lord. I don't even get a sniffle anymore. That's pride. That's pride. That's not caring about your brother. If you're well, praise God. Thank God. But God healed you. You didn't heal yourself. And you haven't kept yourself well. Amen. The Lord cautioned me about that a number of years ago. You'll talk to people and, and you'll see them in their, their car, their new house or whatever. Well, how'd you get that? Well, praise the Lord. I believed for it. I used my faith. Hmm. Your faith. thought it was God's faith. Who gave you that faith? Where'd that faith come from? That's God's faith from God's word. So all you did was use God's faith. Brother Hagin, they used to say Brother Hagin was a great man of faith. And Brother Hagin would say, no, 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 no. He said, I just have faith in a great God. Now, the reason I'm saying that is that opens a door for people. The way you think about your brother or your sister speaks volumes about whether or not you're going to be healed. It's just, th this is so important. If you know someone that's not healed, you can thank God that you are healed, but then you set about helping them get healed. Because there, before the grace of God, goes me. They may not know that the Lord's their healer, but we're going to help them. Right? See, was healing their right? In, in 1 Corinthians, was it their right? Right? Well, why were some getting sick and dying? Because they were leaving a door open by giving no thought to the Lord's body. You've got to guard against critical thoughts about your brother, your sister. You've got to guard against them. You, you, you can't even go there. You know, there are people that I talk to, they'll say, well, I want to learn to be led of the Holy Spirit. Then you've got to learn the Holy Spirit's language. And the Holy Spirit's language is love. Everyone, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit are all tied to love. Right in the middle of the two chapters that deal the most with the working of the Holy Spirit in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, right in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians 13. Walking in love. He ends chapter 12 with the things of the Spirit, and he begins chapter 14 with the things of the Spirit. And he ends chapter 12 with this. He, said, he talks about all these things that are spiritual, and he says, those are great, but I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into to the attributes of love. And then he ends chapter 13 and starts chapter 14 with the things of the Spirit again. If you want to know the things of the Spirit, you got to talk his language, and his language is love. Crucial. Hallelujah. But if I'll make the adjustment, ah, 
if I'll shut the door, come on, he'll touch me. The Lord will heal me. Isn't that good news? And you know how much, it, you, listen, you know how long it takes you to shut a door? That long, just that long. Right? Amen. Just say it out loud. Say, it doesn't take long to shut a door. Say it one more time. It doesn't take long to shut a door. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I'm not saying there is. If something comes up in your heart or your mind right now, just shut the door. Just say, Lord, I shut that door. I close it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Look, look over here. In, uh, now, th that, now, those are a lot of the spiritual reasons. Look here at 2 Kings 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Now, this is the account of Hezekiah. And uh, now, I'm not going to talk about how Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and even though he did. He inquired of the Lord. And when we read this, I, I want you to see something real quick. It says in uh, verse 5, Turn again, tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, I've heard your prayers, seen your tears. Behold, notice, I will heal you. So the Lord said, I will heal you. And on the third day, you'll go up to the temple. Is that what it said? I will heal you. So evidently that healing wasn't made manifest for three days. Right? But notice verse 7. And Isaiah said, take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Now, when you read Isaiah 38, 21, it says the same thing. Now, here's the point. God said, I will heal you. Then why did he tell him, then why did he tell Isaiah to tell Hezekiah to put a plaster made of figs on the boil? We know the figs didn't heal him. God said, I'll heal you. Evidently, there was something in the fig plaster that he needed. God doesn't say things for no reason. So we follow Hezekiah's method or his, his pattern. And first of all, he inquired of the Lord. He reminded the Lord of some things, and the Lord said, I'll heal you, and he did. But then we come to this natural thing. Now think about this. Just, just run this through your mind. So what happens if Isaiah comes and says, put this plaster, fig plaster, on the boil, and Hezekiah says, I don't need that. The Lord's healed me. He said he'd heal me. Scripture says, after that, he recovered. So, he didn't just recover when God said, I'll heal you. It was a few days. At least three. Because he said, on the third day, you'll go up unto the house of the Lord. Now, people say, why is that important? Because the barrier to my healing might be spiritual. We talked to that about that unforgiveness, not rightly discerning the Lord's body. 
or it may be physical. Maybe something I'm eating. Maybe something I need to eat. See, there it went, it went again. You, you, you understand? See, I got to be well rounded where this is concerned. I got to be honest. Lord, is there something I'm doing? Is there something I need to change? Hallelujah. I mean, we all agree that all sickness, all disease is under the curse. All sickness, all disease, I have a covenant that God will heal it. Hallelujah. Right? Is that right? I mean, diabetes is under the curse. But you can't say you're standing in faith against it as you drink pop and drink sweet tea and eat donuts and white bread, all the things that add up to sugar in your body and say you're in faith about your diabetes. Faith without works is dead because it's alone. Yet I've had people stand in, in healing lines for sugar diabetes and want hands laid on them and then go and drink sugar-infused lemonade. You just had prayer for sugar diabetes. Well, now, Pastor, don't get off on what we eat. After all, nothing's to be refused if thanksgiving and prayer have been given over it. You know, Paul was talking about people preaching wrong doctrine in that chapter. And he said, there are going to come preachers that forbid you to eat certain things. And say it's a sin if you eat them. It's not a sin to eat anything you want to eat. You can eat as much fat back and pork and bacon and grease and nasty oil as you want. And if it clogs your arteries, you're not going to go to hell if you die of a heart attack. You'll go to heaven. But you cannot deny that what you were partaking aided your demise. Well, you know, my grandma was 92 and she ate whatever she wanted. Listen, it's not old life, it's good life. It's healthy life. You can be 92 and barely get around. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Badgering on what you eat. You eat what you want. But think about this. What if that's the open door? Hallelujah. I've been dealing with you to change that. Hallelujah. Hmm. You see that? I got to be conscious of that. You know... It's like somebody, and this is an extreme example, but it's like somebody uh, uh, that smokes cigarettes. 
and they get cancer. They want to come and get healed of the cancer. But they don't want to quit smoking the cigarettes. Well, that's the door. Is that right? Mm. There are non-spiritual things that can hinder the working of faith. See, to receive things from God, there are things I got to put away from me. I, I knew a minister one time personally, good friend of my family, best friend of my dad, and had a phenomenal ministry, phenomenal healing ministry, had a phenomenal miracle in his life. And uh, 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 could, uh, could see with no eyeball, none, no eyeball, and could see just a God thing, but uh, uh, wouldn't put away overeating, laid hands on multitudes of people and saw them healed, tangible healing anointing, and when he died, he was so big, they had to bury him in a casket the size of a baby grand piano. Th this is important. Because it, the door was open. I have a covenant. God's my healer. He'll take it away. He'll keep it away. I, ha I have a responsibility. Uh, uh, a friend of ours, he's in heaven today. A friend of ours went to the doctor, prophet of God. And he went to, the, to a doctor, to the doctor who's having some issues in his body. And the doctor came in and told him, said, we've, we've done the scans and done whatever they, they did. And he said, we found that you have cancer and that this cancer has moved into your bones. And he said, in two years, you'll be dead. This man had a healing ministry. Now, he didn't just start confessing and standing because he knew God was his healer. His, his broadcast was Jesus the healer. He knew Jesus was his healer. He inquired of the Lord. And the Lord told him where he, admit, where he was missing it. And he corrected it. And on his next visit, he was cancer free. Hallelujah. I'm not supposed to eat everything. Just because it tastes good doesn't mean it is good. Now, this is not a health and nutrition class. As much as it is to say, if that's the door, I want to close it. If something I'm drinking or eating is contributing to what I'm dealing with, I want to put that away from me. Because the stand of faith is much easier with the door closed. Hallelujah. And I have a covenant of healing. My part's to inquire of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because he said that he'll heal me. He'll take it away. He'll keep it away. That's my part. Now, there, there are, are more things here, obviously. 
I don't want you to, to, to leave thinking wrong. I mean, obviously, the, the, the enemy will try to put things on you. But uh, it's much harder with the door closed. Amen. The, the enemy's going to have a real hard time putting heart disease on somebody that eats a heart-healthy diet. She's not going to. Diabetes is going to be hard to come on somebody that's not partaking of things that cause it. And see that, oh, glory, I, I, better, I better move on. Hallelujah. Most of, most of the diseases that come on people, people aid in their, in their, people aid them in their ability to harm them. It's a scientifically proven fact that cancer cells thrive on sugar. Right? Just, it's proven. Don't take my word for it. Google is your friend. Amen. So, now, the first thing that people, thank you, Holy Spirit, the first thing people say, well, the way you talk, we can't eat anything. That's not what I said. Listen, what you do is your business. But if I'm dealing with that, why don't I inquire of the Lord? Why? Right? Lord, is this an issue? Right? Like Jesse Duplantis went to the hospital that time to pray for a person with lung cancer. That they had, they had performed a tracheotomy on them. And he said, I went to the room and I smelled cigarette smoke and went in the room. And here's the lady that wanted me to come pray for her or the person that had lung cancer smoking a cigarette through the trach hole. He said, what could I do? How, could, what, what, how can I pray? So if somebody gets prayer for something, and maybe right then they hear, go home and get rid of the ding-dongs or the ho-hos. Right? And they go home and unwrap a ho-ho and eat it while they think about what God said. <laughs> Lord, was that you? Right? No, what's, what's the process? Go get rid of the ho-ho. I don't even know if they make those anymore. But if they do or not, I don't know. Right? If God, if God delivered you of alcohol... And you had out, you got saved and delivered of alcohol, and you had it in your house. I promise you, I know what you did. You went home and poured every bit of it down the drain, threw it away. You got rid of it because that's not you anymore. I'll say this, it sounds strong. I can't let the lust of the flesh stand in the way of my healing. I just can't. I can't do it. Brother Copeland talked about his, his bones aching, and he just had aches in all of his joints, and he, could, he couldn't figure out why. Finally, he went on a, on a fast and began to ask the Lord what it was, and the Lord showed him the coffee that he was drinking. The acid in the coffee 
producing uric acid in the joints, causing pain. And now, I'm not saying that's what the Lord's telling you, but I'm saying he inquired of the Lord, Lord, why is this not going away? Now, people will hear that, and they'll be 100% on board with everything Brother Copeland says, but I'd I love me some coffee. Right? Now, if he's not telling you to get rid of it, I'm not talking against your coffee. I had me some coffee this morning. But here's the point. If I heard the Lord say, that's your problem, it's got to go. Because, right? I, I told you that I was, I was having these issues in my body a number of years ago, before the, the time the Lord healed me I talked about earlier. And every time I would go to the Lord, uh, just one phrase would come up, red meat. I'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is this? Red meat. You say, what'd you do? I'd go have a hamburger. Amen. Lord, what is this? I just, I don't feel well. What is this? Red meat. Hey, bring me one of them steaks. Shamba baba sika baba baba soka baba baba haba. Double cheeseburger. Right? And the Lord's saying, red meat. You know, it'd have been easier if he'd have said, it's the devil, rebuke him. Right? Because I, I got authority. I'll just do that. But my cheeseburger? My burrito? Lord, let this cup pass from me. But, but you, know, you know what? The day I just decided, okay, that's it. That's it. I'm not doing it. Within days, it's gone. And that's been 20 years ago. And I've, I've had people say, oh, I, isn't, it, isn't it hard? What, what do you mean, hard without the pain I was having in my body? No. No. Not hard. Not hard. Freeing. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, thank you today. Thank you that we see these things from your word. Thank you that we see that you're our healer, you're our deliverer, you're our great physician, you're our surgeon. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I just speak to any obstruction in the bowels. I speak to any problem in the, the, the intestines. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I'll say it just that way. Any, any compactedness. Lord, there will be free-moving bowel systems in the name of Jesus. Lord, I rebuke IBS. I rebuke irritable bowel syndrome. I rebuke Crohn's disease. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because you said you would satisfy our bellies. And so, Father, we thank you for that healing in the name of Jesus. I speak to those blood count numbers to continue to improve. You will not plateau. You'll keep going in the name of Jesus. 
And Father, we just thank you and we thank you that you'll help us. And anything that we may need to change or correct, Lord, we'll do it. And we'll receive from you. And Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Well, praise God. Thank you for being here. And until we see you next time, please keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith in Jesus' name.